citizen. The Arrival, Chapter 43. But the family introductions didn't stop. In April, Bobby's father died. Tracy's Bob went to the funeral and met some of Tracy's cousins from that branch of his past. Tracy hadn't seen them since Freddie died. Bob also met David, who happened to live a stone's throw from the townhouse. So, in less than six months since Bob hung his mum's needlepoint on the wall, everyone knew the phrase, Bob and Tracy. Then, the pair went to Granny's for Mother's Day to surprise her again. Tracy called her on the way. Hey, Granny, Tracy said. What are you doing? Thinking you're up to something, Granny said. You coming this way? Well. And Tracy laughed. <laughs> Bob and I are halfway there to see you. What time? Granny asked. A few hours, Tracy said. Do you want us to stop for some chicken? We can get a bucket of extra crispy on the way. Actually, Granny said, I had a couple of squirrel defrosting from the freezer. Ask Bob if he's had any squirrel. And Tracy saw the look on Bob's face. I don't think he has, Granny, Tracy said. Bob shook his head no. Well, I think it's about high time he had, Granny said. I only had three left, but I'll get William Russell to shoot another couple off the wire. It's no problem to stop and get some fried chicken, Granny, Bob offered. I don't want you to go to any trouble, Granny said, and she was on a mission now. What time did you say you'd be here? By lunchtime, Tracy affirmed. Okay, Granny said. I'll be ready. And she was. Granny had her cast-iron skillet piping hot when Bob and Tracy walked through the door, and the squirrel was almost done. Then Granny had to make the squirrel gravy. This is the best part, Granny said, and she was right. Bob thought squirrel tasted exactly as one would expect, hyperactive and like acorns. However, squirrel gravy was pretty good, smothered over white bread, and Bob tried to eat another piece. Because the animal was small, the only thing edible was the legs. To Bob, once the legs were splayed and smashed flat to fry, it seemed clear he was eating squirrel ass. When Tracy spit something out that made a ting on his plate, Bob was done. What's that? Bob asked. Oh, Tracy said. I forgot to tell you to be careful of the lead pellet. And he put the small ball of lead on Granny's Formica table. The pellet rolled off onto a tall stack of newspapers sitting on the chair next to Bob. When Bob picked it up, he noticed the manila envelope it fell on. The envelope had the will, handwritten on the top two corners, which was underlined twice. Oh, my goodness, Bob said. Tracy looked at him, and Bob picked up the important-looking envelope. Shouldn't this be somewhere else? Bob asked. That's just recycling I've been saving, Granny said. Granny? Tracy asked. What's going on? There's nothing going on, Granny said, because there's nothing in there. Bob looked, and there wasn't. Granny looked at Tracy squarely. 
Now, you know, Granny said, Moody always wanted you to have the farm. I thought so too, Granny, Tracy said, although he never said it outright. But when it all came down to it, and Granny was vague, which even Bob picked up on, because Granny was never vague, there wasn't anything to it, and for the moment that was that. By the end of the month, Bob and Tracy were back in Rand for Memorial Day. The pair went with the family to decorate graves at various cemeteries, and Granny showed Bob where she was going into the ground. Recently, Granny had a cataract removed, so she had to wear large sunglasses. Bob dubbed them her rock star glasses. Granny immediately adopted the nomenclature, because by this time, Bob liked Granny as much as Granny liked Bob. They made each other laugh constantly because of the way they each turned a phrase. Then Bob decided Granny needed something pretty to look at when she was done with her sunglasses. So when Tracy took Granny for her checkup, Bob started digging next to her sidewalk. Granny's hostas were choked with grass, and Bob moved them under the oaks on the side of her yard. Then Bob began in earnest, preparing the rocky ground for a rose bed to line Granny's walk. The first gun-related incident happened when Miss Mary pulled into her drive. Miss Mary lived two houses down, and was a seemingly sweet, plump-faced white woman. As Bob found out later, Granny said she had a good side and a bad side. "'You gotta watch, Miss Mary,' Granny said. "'The bad side is klepto, and the good side is paralyzed.' And both things were true. As Bob was about to experience, Miss Mary had obviously had a stroke, which was why she was running around town in her minivan. Later, Tracy corroborated about the kleptomania. "'She seems innocent enough,' Tracy said. Then I gave her a ride back from church one day. She thanked me for the ride and positioned herself to get out the passenger side. Then she swiped every pen and piece of change I had in the middle console before she left out and slammed the door. At the moment, Miss Mary pulled into her driveway, which was on Granny's side of her house. She pulled into the hill to her basement garage and was eye-level with the ground. Then she rolled down her car window and took a closer look at the white man digging up Granny's yard. It was a hot day without any wind, and Bob had been at it for a while. By this time, Bob had also hung out with Tracy and his sister cousins, enough to pick up some syntax. Unfortunately, Bob had never even heard of Miss Mary. "'Where's Jackie?' Miss Mary asked roughly. Bob looked over and eventually found the eyes that peered up from the ground two yards over. The only problem was that Bob didn't know where Jackie was. Bob only knew Granny and had never heard anyone call Granny by her first name. So Bob assumed the woman was addressing someone else and didn't answer. Miss Mary became concerned. Where the hell is Jackie? Miss Mary demanded. When Bob realized he was the one being yelled at, 
he decided to go Granny Moody on her ass. Who wants to know? Bob yelled back, which was all Miss Mary needed to hear. Miss Mary slammed her minivan in reverse and squealed tires out of her driveway. She continued backwards up the road, past the entrance to Granny's driveway, and then squealed tires until she was even with Bob and slammed on the brakes. Then Miss Mary narrowed her eyes at Bob, who stood ten feet from her with his pickaxe, and she put a car in park. Miss Mary studied him again before deciding to go for her glove box, and Bob realized things were getting serious. I don't know where Jackie is, Bob explained, but Granny is with Tracy at her eye doctor's appointment. Miss Mary put her revolver back in her glove box and turned to look at Bob with an odd smile. So, what's your name? she asked. Bob, Bob said, and the good half of Miss Mary's face lit up. So, you're Bob, Mary said sweetly, which was quite a switch. Jackie didn't tell me Tracy was coming to town. She didn't know, Bob explained, because we surprised her. That's why we're moving her hostas and putting in a rose bed to surprise her. Well, if that isn't just the sweetest thing. And now Miss Mary was almost Bob's next of kin. I've heard a lot about you. And we're so glad Tracy finally found someone. Bob didn't know what to say to that. We're all just so pleased, Miss Mary said sweetly, immensely pleased with herself. So you just carry on, and don't forget to drink your water. It's a warm one. Then Miss Mary reversed gently out of Granny's driveway and returned to her driveway without telling Bob her name. Later, Granny figured out it was Klepto-Mary that almost mowed Bob down on her front lawn, and they were introduced. The day after, Bob almost shot himself helping turn Granny's mattress. No one told Bob about the rusty axe and loaded pistol Granny kept under her pillow. When Bob got there first to remove the bedding, he jumped back before the gun went off. However, Bob and Tracy put in Granny's roses without further skirmish. The pair headed back to the townhouse, and then, at long last, the final series of events were set into motion. Hello, everyone. Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Back in January, Tracy quit his job at DC Metro after he was almost in a knife fight with a deranged lunatic. Tracy had gone out to get coffee for everyone. When he came back, Tracy wondered why police officers and dogs had surrounded the building. No one said anything as Tracy swiped his ID card, rebalanced his macchiatos, 
and headed for the accounting department where he worked. When Tracy went to open the door, it was locked. He looked through the wire-reinforced window, and his co-workers were nowhere to be seen. When Tracy knocked, everyone's head popped out from under their desks. It's Tremel, they said in hushed tones. Should we let him in? Hey, guys, Tracy said. What's going on? Shh, everyone said. Then a brave soul came and opened the door for him, shuttled him in, and quickly locked the door again. As it turned out, someone was running around the building with a knife, trying to steal the payroll that was in a large safe two doors down. That was enough for Tracy. When he came home, Tracy reenacted the incident for Bob in front of the fireplace. They let me in the building, Tracy said. They let me come all the way up all those steps, all the while knowing everything was on lockdown. And they don't offer health insurance until I work there for a year. And Tracy had made up his mind. Hmm. Girl, bye. So Tracy ended his contract and quickly found another. Then spring turned into summer. Soon, Tracy's 90-day contract was over the day before the 4th of July holiday, and Tracy checked in for his next move. Okay, Lord, Tracy said. Where am I supposed to look for the next contract? He answered immediately. Take Bob out for a bike ride for his birthday. To Tracy, this made less sense than usual. Tracy was also surprised to hear from him, because Tracy had been on radio silence since he met Bob back in November. Lord, Tracy said, I ask you for a job, and you want me to go on a bike ride? Take Bob out for a bike ride for his birthday, he repeated rapidly. But that makes no kind of sense, Tracy said. Then Tracy remembered the waterbed, desk, and other things he asked of Tracy that didn't make sense, but made faith. Although Bob had gotten a bike before the couple met, which inspired Tracy to get one. They bought a roof rack for the Subaru, and got a year-long pass for the Maryland park system. Bob and Tracy enjoyed how other Subarus with bikes on their roof honked their horns at them. When they passed each other, Bob and Tracy would shout in unison, We We got got bikes! And they pumped their fists and said, Yeah! So the Lord's request wasn't totally from left field, but Tracy felt a sense of urgency. Since Tracy met Bob nine months earlier, Tracy's life events seemed to be speeding up. Tracy felt like he was going somewhere, which he was. In fact, the Lord's plan involved flinging him into an unknown farther than Tracy could imagine, and the arc of his life was about to have a landing point. But at this moment, Tracy became pragmatic. When is Bob's birthday? Tracy asked, but he was too excited to be specific. Go now, he said. Now? Tracy asked. Now, he repeated, and the tall, shiny silver figure's exhilaration was reminiscent of the first time Tracy met him when he was three. Where should we go? Tracy asked. Go to the other side, he answered quickly. Tracy understood that meant to cross the water, 
which from the townhouse meant the eastern shore of Maryland. So the next morning Tracy called their lesbian friends. Ray and Kate had met shortly before Bob and Tracy did. The two couples were almost identical, except for their opposite sexuality. Ray had sung in Bob's church choir for years, and Bob knew Ray's girls since they were tiny. Once Ray finally came out, Bob was her support system when Ray found Kate. Soon after, Kate became the other pea in the pod for Tracy. The upshot was that Bob and Tracy's lesbian wives naturally had more camping equipment than any gay man could possibly need or want. When the tall, shiny silver figure told Tracy to go to the other side, they were Tracy's first call for help, which they answered with gusto. So by late morning, Bob and Tracy had the necessary equipment to head to the eastern shore. Tracy planned to use their park pass to go camping, and the culminating journey was begun. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.